This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning. Uh, my name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey Church. So excited that you all are here with us for week number two of our series called Fully You. Uh, this series is all about finding our full identity, our full identity in Christ. It's about getting past shame. It's about moving beyond anger. It's about changing It's about finding forgiveness. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But before we do, let me just do a couple of uh, housekeeping items this morning. Number one, if you're new this morning, I want to say thank you for being here. We know it's not easy to come into a new place and find yourself uh, uh, around and, and figure all those pieces out. So we want to say thank you for your courage today. Secondly, uh, if you've got, uh, if you can reach into the seat back in front of you, you're going to find there one of these connect cards. And uh, this connect card is a very important piece for us at Journey Church. Uh, Not only does it let us know that you are here, uh, but it also, you can tell us prayer requests, decisions you've made, things you want us to know, maybe you want to volunteer in some area. Uh, That's a great way for you to communicate with us. So take a moment and fill one of those out this morning uh, at some point during the talk, and then you can drop it in the offering bag as they go by at the end of our time. Let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in today. Lord God, we, uh, we are just thrilled to be here in your presence. God, I thank you for all the folks who are here this morning who figured out the time change. God, I thank you for the wonderful worship that we have already had this morning, and uh, what a blessing it is to sing about your love and your power. And God, we just pray. We pray that as we open up your word, as we talk about the issues we're going to talk about today, God, that you work in all of our hearts. Because, God, we believe here at Journey Church that every single person, uh, every single one of us has further steps, more steps that we could be taking in our relationship with you, whether that is if it's in its very infant stages, we're just starting a relationship with you, or we've been coming to a place like this for years and years and years. God, we all have steps we can take to get closer to you. Help us each to find our next one. In your name we pray, amen. Well, um, Last week, we got started uh, this series, Fully You. We started by talking about shame, and particularly, we talked about, okay, how can we find more of identity in uh, our identity in Christ by getting past some things like shame, moving beyond them? We're going to talk about more things we could get past today. Specifically, we're going to talk about anger. Anger, as we know, can be a destructive to our relationships. It can be hard uh, to deal with in our hearts. This week, uh, I read a story about an elderly couple who were uh, taking some time, and they were just kind of reminiscing. And they're thinking about all the years, right? They've been uh, together for a long, long time, and, and in kind of a, just a moment of real humble candor, The husband turned to his wife and he said, Honey, I'm so sorry. I blew up at you so many times 
over the years. How did you manage to stay so calm? Her answer came really fast. She said, oh, that was easy. Whenever we had an argument, whenever you blew up at me, I just went upstairs and I cleaned the toilet. And he thought, really? That, that, that worked? You, you cleaned the toilet? That made you feel better about the terrible things I said to you? She said, oh, yeah. I went upstairs and I went to the sink and I got your toothbrush and then I cleaned the toilet. And I really got, that was okay, Joe. Come on. Obviously, there are some good ways to handle anger, and there's some bad ways to handle anger. We're going to talk about some good ways. This morning, just so you kind of have a picture of where we are going today, I'm going to talk about anger kind of in three chunks. The first chunk is this anger is a sign of something deeper. Second piece I'm going to talk about is that we all get angry. We just express it differently And then third, the real important part of anger is how we respond. That first part here, anger is a sign of something deeper. Anger uh, really shouldn't be seen as a primary emotion. What I mean by that is uh, we should see it as some uh, warning sign of something deeper bothering us, something deeper going on in our hearts in our life. Let me try and illustrate it with just a story this morning. Imagine you and your spouse, you are a, a few days behind in the housekeeping. Not too hard to imagine, right? A few days behind and uh, somebody makes a dig about the dishes that aren't done. And it just, it, it hits that nerve, it touches that button, and all of a sudden, right, you have now listed out all of the unmet expectations, all of the unmet responsibilities, all of the tasks that have gone undone, not for just the last uh, five days, but for the last five years, right? I mean, so you get the picture. Maybe the details aren't exact for you, but you're in a fight, The emotions are high. The blood is boiling. It's hot. Now, let's say after that fight, you ended up in a counselor's office. And after kind of going through the details, here's what happened. You know, you're just the whole nine yards. You're laying on the couch. He's behind the desk. and, And you're laying out all the details, right, of what just happened. And at some point, in some very insightful way, he's going to say, right, how did you feel? The answer is going to be obvious to you. I was angry, right? But no counselor with his salt is going to kind of clap his hands together. Okay, we we got to the bottom of this, right? Uh, Something happened. You got angry. Try not to do that next time. Make the check payable too, right? If that's what happens, you don't want to be in that office, The counselor is going to say, okay, I understand that you're angry, but how did you really feel? And you're going to kind of go through some synonyms uh, of anger. Well, I was frustrated. I was uh, uh, outraged, indignant. I mean, what are you looking for here, right? The counselor is going to wait you out. He's been through this many times before. He's going to, depending on your vocabulary, kind of wait how many uh, words you can get out that kind of describe being angry. He's going to 
shake his head, yes, yes. Then he's going to ask that same question again. How did you feel? Let me explain what's happening here. The counselor understands something that you and I need to understand about anger. It's very, very key. And that is anger is a sign pointing to something else going on in our heart, going on in our life. It's pointing to something. In fact, it's a sign God often uses to deal with things that he wants to change in our hearts, in our life. What I'm hoping to do this morning right off the bat is kind of change our mental picture of what anger is. If uh, somebody asked you to kind of draw a caricature of anger, right, what would we draw? We'd draw a little fireball, uh, a little red devil, uh, some fumes coming out of the head. What I want to do is I want to challenge us uh, to maybe change that picture to a big sign uh, that points, a big arrow that points right back at our hearts. And it's not a sign that says, hey, uh, uh, hey, get out of my way. I'm angry. It's a sign. I'm angry. I know there's something else going on inside me, something deeper. Last week, we talked about how uh, shame showed up in the biblical story right at the very beginning with Adam and Eve, and anger doesn't follow too far after. In fact, it shows up with Adam and Eve's children, Cain and Abel. Um, Genesis chapter 4, verses 5 through 7 this morning. But he, God, did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, well, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it. You must be its master. Anger's welling up in Cain. It's growing, and God warns him you got to get control of this. If you don't, there's going to be disastrous results. Of course, Cain doesn't get control, and he goes on, and he eventually kills his own brother. The point of all of this this morning is that anger is always pointing to something deeper within us, something else going on in our hearts, in our life. Maybe it's pointing to selfishness. Maybe it's pointing to something else, to shame. Whatever it is, believe me, it's deeper than somebody said something, somebody did something, and I got angry. There's more to the story. Maybe their words made you angry because it poked at some insecurity. Maybe their actions, their, their words uh, made you angry because it slowed you down. In other words, you were so focused on your agenda, your timeline, you couldn't be bothered by someone else's. That list could go on and on 
and on. When anger shows up, when anger shows up in you, when anger shows up in me, it's pointing to something bigger, something deeper happening in us. The question is, are we going to look for it? How are we going to look for it? I hope the answer for you is yes. Because this isn't some kind of a psychological trick. This is a way God communicates to us. It's a way God shows us, hey, uh, there are some things that are going on in your heart, some things going on in your life. There's some selfishness here. There's some other pieces here. And it's manifesting itself with anger. We need to see that as pointing to something deeper. Second thing I want to talk about this morning is that we all deal with this. We all get angry. There's some folks here this morning going, you know what, Joe, you're right. You are so right. I wish so-and-so were here sitting next to me because, you know, they have some real anger issues. They really need to hear this. Me, not so much, but, you know, them, see me shaking my head, right? That's not how it works. We all have to deal with anger just because we're not prone to outbursts. Just because maybe our our fuse isn't as short, just because we don't yell, doesn't mean we don't have issues with anger. Some of us express anger with an icy glance. Some of us uh, express anger with the silent treatment. Some of us are really good at sarcasm. Some of us pretend that things don't bother us and we kind of try and let everything go and it just slides off, slides off, but really we're kind of holding on to it, holding on to it, and then eventually we just uh, unload all that pent-up anger we've been holding on to. Pastoral counselor Brad Hambrick says, if you found yourself saying these kind of statements, you're nursing an anger issue but you're having trouble admitting it. Listen to these. I'm not angry, just frustrated. Why can't I have a bad day without being at a big deal? Oh, I guess you've never made a mistake. I'm sick of being the only one who ever says, I'm sorry. If you're still this morning having trouble uh, admitting that you have some issues to deal with when it comes to anger. Let me put it to you this way. Jesus himself got angry. Jesus himself, in Mark chapter 3, in Galilee, uh, there's several religious leaders, and they're trying to trip Jesus up. They're following him around, and they are looking for something they can hold against him And the only thing that they can find is that he's healed someone on the Sabbath. And in verse 5, it says, Jesus burned with anger against them. In John chapter 2, Jesus uh, drove the crooked money collectors out of the temple. He uh, turned the tables over. He made a whip out of uh, cords. Then we have Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 telling us, Go ahead, be angry, but don't sin. 
In case you think that maybe was some kind of mistranslation, I got a few others for you this morning. The NIV says, in your anger do not sin. The New Living Translation says, don't sin by letting anger control you. I like that one. Maybe you're old school, you want the King James this morning. Be ye angry, yet sin not. My favorite this morning, the message, go ahead and be angry. In fact, you do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. The point is, we all have anger to deal with. We know that, now that we know that anger is pointing to something deeper, something else happening in our heart, in our life, something else we need to deal with. Now that we understand, hey, we all have issues with anger that we need to be working on, next thing that we need to talk about is what really matters. What really matters when anger shows up in our heart, in our life, is how we respond to it. How we respond is what matters. Uh, Pastor Charles Swindoll has this great quote. He says, life is 10% what happens to me, 90% how I respond. That's never more true than in when we are dealing with anger. We get some key lessons from the uh, verse that we started, the verses that we started from Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to go ahead and read those again. Some key lessons on how to respond when anger shows up. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 32 from the message this morning. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. I love that part. It's again, it's showing that how we respond to anger is what matters. And don't stay angry, Paul continues. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Verse 29, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break. Make a clean break with all the cutting, with all the backbiting, with the profane talk. Be gentle with one another. Sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Three kind of lessons we learn here about how to, I'm going to talk about it as properly respond uh, with anger. Proper anger is re- redemptive, not vindictive. Redemptive, not vindictive. Verse 29, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come from your mouth. Here's the important part. Say what helps. Say what helps. Each word, Paul continues, a gift. 
The goal, the goal is to help. The, the NIV says to build up. It's important to, to know in verse 29, it doesn't say, hey, just tell them some nice things. Do it with a smile on your face. Ignore the bad, the evil, the broken. No. It says, do what helps. And sometimes what helps is the hard conversation. Sometimes what helps is is saying the hard things, but what matters here is how it's being said. What matters is that the words that are coming out of mouth, they keep a door open for the relationship to heal. Maybe not in that particular moment, but sometime. This morning, let's just think about an action we can take just on that idea that proper anger is redemptive, not vindictive. Can you think back to your last argument? Did you hold a, a door open? Did you uh, do something to, to kind of keep uh, the option open for restoration? It's so key. It's so key. I mean, Paul here, he's saying, he's talking about being angry. He talks about that in the very uh, beginning, verse 26. Go ahead and be angry, but say what helps. You can feel those things, but say what helps. Each word a gift. Second thing I think we can learn from these passages in in Ephesians chapter 4 is that proper anger is short-lived. Short-lived. Verse 26 says, don't go to bed angry. Here we get some very practical advice, right? That sometimes uh, when the anger, when the emotions are swirling, sometimes the best thing we need to do is create some space, remove ourselves Let the emotions die down. But before the sun goes down, before too long, you still need to deal with the distrust. You still need to uh, uh, identify what caused the anger. You need to maybe just start the conversation. I don't think the Bible is saying that the expectation here is uh, that every conflict we have ever had needs to be uh, all wrapped up in a 24-hour period. The point is that some olive branch has been extended. That the hurt, the pain has been acknowledged, perhaps an apology has been given, uh, that some progress some way to restoration is still there. Jesus is an example of short-lived anger. Earlier, we talked about a couple times when Jesus got angry. 
And we don't get a minute-by-minute account of Jesus' life in the Bible, but I think it's really interesting that it doesn't say, hey, you know, this Pharisees, they were following Jesus around, they were looking to trap him, and he burned in anger, and then everybody stayed out of Jesus' way for the next uh, two weeks because it was like scorched earth around him. It doesn't say, hey, he cleansed the temples, and then hey, for, for the next month, Jesus was hot. No, no. It says he goes right back. He goes right back to doing what he was doing before. He was healing. He was teaching. He was loving people. Jesus is an example of short-lived anger. Let's think about uh, an action we can take here. This is a big one. Our anger being short-lived when it comes to dealing with anger and the things that anger reveals about us, the Bible is really clear that it's to be short-lived. This week, this week, could you take some time and could you just pray about that specific idea that, hey, when anger shows up in my life, I'm going to do everything I can to help it be short Third idea this morning, third lesson we learn about anger from Ephesians chapter 4 is that proper anger is controlled, not controlling. Controlled, not controlling. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 this time. It says, make a clean break with all the cutting, with all the backbiting, with all the profane talk. Here's what that makes me think of. Paul is describing you in the midst of the argument, right? And so-and-so says something to you, and now you have responded back, and it's just getting more and more uh, uh, uglier and more violent, and the language is getting worse, and words are flying out of your mouth, words you don't even really mean. Also, you can win the argument, because that's what we want, right? That's what we want to feel. Like we won the argument. What Paul is saying here is that when anger has driven us to this point, anger is in control. We aren't in control of the anger. Anger is real tricky that way. It makes us feel like we're in control. But I don't know if you know this, but there was some scientists who did a study of the brain during when we're angry, when the emotions are high, and it switches the part of the brains that are, brains, brain that is in control. And guess what? We lose IQ points. We lose IQ points when we are angry. Most of us can't afford that, right? I can't afford that. I can't afford to lose IQ points when I'm angry to get dumber, Proverbs, on the other hand, the book of wisdom in the Bible, the book of wisdom talks in several places about controlling anger. Listen to just a few of them. First, it says, let the minor things go. Proverbs 19, 11, sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking 
wrongs. Sometimes we, we need to figure out those things that, okay, I can just, I can let that go. We've got to really let it go, not let it go and kind of hold it back here like on our invisible scoreboard that we are keeping and we're, we let kind of pile up and then explode. No, we've got to really let it go. Second thing, it says is create space when emotions swell. Proverbs 15, chapter, or chapter 15, verse 1, a gentle answer deflects anger but harsh words make tempers flare, right? So many times things get said, things get said that we don't mean in an argument all because we're trying to win the argument, so we're just trying to up the other person. Things, harsh words make tempers flare. One word makes the other word. It just makes things worse and worse, it escalates. We need to create space when those emotions come up. Third thing we see in Proverbs is to identify and address what the anger points to in us. That's what we talked about in the very beginning today. The anger when anger shows up in, in your life, in my life, what we should see is a great big red arrow pointing right back at our heart because it's revealing something deeper, something else going on in us. Proverbs 16, 32, better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than to conquer a city. It's revealing what's happening deep in us. This morning, as we think about some action that we could take, maybe from that idea, the anger is to be controlled, not controlling. Which of those, which of those could we just take as an action item, letting the minor things go? Is that something that maybe you identify, you can see, hey, there are parts in my heart, in my life, I just need to let some things go and really let them go? Maybe you see that, hey, I know, I know I need to create space when anger swells. I know I've got to figure out some ways just to take some time out. I've got to make that a priority. And I need to understand that that's not somebody else's issue, that's mine. Or maybe this morning, you just need to spend some time making a list of all the different ways, the scenarios that you uh, find yourself just frustrated and upset and angry and all those other words. Just write them down and kind of see where they are happening. Is there a pattern? What are they revealing about me? Am I getting really frustrated when my time uh, gets uh, taken away from me? Is that because I'm so focused on my agenda and my schedule that I, I can't make space for other people? Could be a million other issues, but what is anger pointing to in my life? Which of those, which of those this week could you take as an action item and say, okay, I know I, I might not have the bandwidth to do all of this to fix everything in my life about this, but I'm going to take this one. Rejoin me in praying 
about that now. Lord, Lord God, you speak to us about anger. We thank you for these words that you have given to us from Scripture, God. To me, it it was a revelation that anger, anger is pointing to something deeper, something more in my heart, in my life. It's amazing to me, God, that you can use that. That you can use that to point out selfishness. That you can use that to point out a, a, a prioritizing of my, my time and, and my needs above everything else, God. You can use it to identify priorities that are out of whack. Things that you want to change. Help us to see anger that way, God. Help us to understand we need to create some space and some time when it swells up. Because it's going to happen. The Bible even tells us that it's going to happen. The emotion is going to be there. The answer isn't for the emotion to go away. The answer is for us to know what to do when it shows up some space, to give some time, but to really address the true issues. Man, when you said that, when you did that, it hurt me because. It hurt me because it made me feel like this. God, help us to do that this week. Help us to deal with anger in new ways, God. God, I also know there are people here in this room who have identified anger and frustration as an issue for a long, long time, and they have been working on it and working on it. And God, right now, I just ask that you do the miraculous work that only you can do when you enter the equation. God, these are, some, these are some good actions, some good first steps, some good efforts that we can take on our part, God, but we know that it needs to be met by your holy work in us, God. We don't want to miss that today. Let that holy work take place in me and everyone here. In your name we pray.